Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this very special episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matty Peverell with a special guest and one of my BTSC favorites, my good friend, Mr. Shannon White. How are you, my friend? Hey, everybody. Hey, Matty P. I'm doing great. Uh, beautiful Friday afternoon here, and I'm uh, just excited to talk about some Steelers with my brother from Down Under. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, it's been a pretty big week, um, and usually Mark and I uh, this year have been doing like injury reports. That's what we kick off with because you finish Friday practice, and there's all these different things. And we've been having this big laugh. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed uh, this between the different teams, Shannon, but um, every time we have this big laugh because every team has different things that they put into their injury report. Some yeah. put like questionable, doubtful. There's a dash. They're not left on there. They're left blank. There's, there's a different name every every other week for something. And then you sit there and you're trying to work out whether someone's in or out. Like I was saying to Mark the other day, for an overly regulated league, I feel like the NFL should have some standard words that you have to use. So I'm glad we don't have to talk about injury reports today because it is the buy, although sad, no Steelers football. Some people this season might be thinking it's nice to have a week off. Um, but we had two pretty big trades during the week. And I always love talking about team building acquisitions with you. We, we often get to do that, do that more on the off season sort of side of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, what was your reaction when these trades went down right at the deadline? Well, first off, you know, I was on record liking to see them try to move Deontay. But then when you look at the financial side, then, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't as feasible. But I just thought, I'm afraid that, his value might decrease if he doesn't get a high volume of targets, which I think if the offense progresses like we hope it will, you're going to see Pickens and Fryermuth, uh, you know, start to pick up. And, and I'm thinking Sims could be effective as well mm. in the slot. If that happens, you know, Johnson's numbers really ain't going to increase, which could hurt his value. But um, they had to take that offer because – it could end up being, you know, in the late thirties uh, and, uh, you know, which would actually be better than what they used to get him in the first place. And based on the production, the limited production they're getting, I was very disappointed because I really wanted to see him work the slot. 
I thought he would mm-hmm. just be an instant mismatch. His strength is catching the ball uh, on slants and, and uh, running after the catch because he's so hard to tackle. He's a powerful runner, something that Deontay Johnson obviously isn't. So mm. I really thought that he could be a solid slot receiver, but it just it, it just never panned out. It never worked. He never progressed from his rookie year where he was more effective, and then he just plateaued. So the fact that the, the Bears and the Packers were willing to give up a second-round pick for him, you know, it was a no-brainer. And you had to go with the Bears because you expect them to have the, high, you know, have the worst record and get the Steelers the higher pick. Um. You know, it could be addition by subtraction. You know, sometimes if a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, you know, has four good options, let's say, and four guys screaming in his ear, hey, I want the ball, that could be a distraction. It's sometimes you just have to scheme a a play open and then give him one more read and simplify things. I don't think that was going to happen with Claypool. Uh, They hadn't been able to scheme him open at any other point. So I, I feel like that was a really good trade. It was necessary. Um, so I've heard it was over because I did not expect the Steelers to be buyers, you know, where they're rebuilding. And I didn't think there's anybody they can bring in that would really help in the situation as it is. Mm. Um, and then I seen William Jackson the third, and I thought, you know, old draft crushes die hard. And Mike Tomlin finally got his man. You know, there's guys he's interested in. And if you kind of pay attention, a lot of times it'll go full circle and he'll get a shot at him in free agency. So um, I like the Jackson pickup because they didn't really risk anything. Um, They can easily restructure his contract if he does prove effective. He's easily the fastest cornerback on the team by far now. Mm. And I would like, as you know, I'd like to see him play more bump and run, press coverage. Yeah, you know, especially with Watt coming back. If Watt comes back and the Steelers pass rush comes with him, then you go up and you jam, you you know, you hang in there for two seconds. You know, then the quarterback's having to watch out because here comes the pass rush. Exactly. And, and there won't be a down wide open. Right now, there's always somebody wide open, especially in the middle of the field. And uh, so I understand it's really not a gamble. Uh, I hope they start looking for guys more like Jackson that have the athleticism and the speed to shadow guys, you know, in tight man coverage. Somebody said that the Steelers played the fifth most man coverage in the NFL thus far this year. I said, that's crazy. As GB said, they play pattern coverage. Man, yeah, I would, I would, yeah. That, I don't think staying at five yards off of a guy, letting him get a run at you, and then trying to match up with him. You, I don't call that man coverage. To me, press, jam, shadow, that's man coverage. Steelers don't do that. Well, I mean, I mean, if I, I remember back to when I played basketball, like when I was at school, right? Yeah. If I was a, like a meter, oh, what do you guys call it? If I was five, three yards off of, of, a, of a bloke, that certainly wasn't man coverage. That's not that's my coach. My Slavic coach would have like absolutely had me for breakfast, mate. Like that's not that is not that is not man coverage. No, so no, no. You can't like that's I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna judge man coverage by that, like there's no more zone anymore. If they run past you in the zone, that counts as man coverage. Like I just 
You know, it's like it's like you know playing battleships in the defense. Like that's just hilarious. Well, man, you know that's the hardest coverage is to let a guy come at you with no jam. You're not influencing him. He can pick wherever he wants to go, and then you got to try to run with him. What they're asking the Steelers to do is an abnormally slow secondary, uh, especially (laughs) the cornerbacks. You're asking him to let a guy get momentum at you, and then decide where he wants to go, and then you got to keep up with him. You know, you can take a guy like Pierre who doesn't have, you know, none of the stores cornerbacks have top speed. Now, Jackson runs a 4.37. He probably still can run a 4.4. So he yeah. has some speed he can manage. You don't up. lose that. And especially no, no. at 30. I mean, at 30, like it's. And yeah. I think that, that you know, he might get match you. But the other guys, but if you're good at jamming at the line and you can be physical, yeah. you look at Richard Sherman or, or any of these guys who didn't run a blaze of 40, but they were really good man cover guys. Because they had Reeves, Reeves, exactly. And so, what the Steelers is doing is playing to failure in their coverages. Yeah, and 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 I'll, I'll dial back to the the Claypool side of things. Is um, I agree with you. That trade was excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at what that second round pick will get us. I mean, th- there's just so many players. I mean, even we we can talk about particularly cornerbacks that were taken later in this year's draft, like a Tariq Woolen that you know have really showed up. You know, it shows where there's yeah, the man. value, right? Um, and I did a I did a show back in the offseason that talked about how the, the top teams in the NFL are building through the draft, not in the first round. They're building it through the second and the third round. And there's quite a consensus out there this year that the upcoming crop of plays in the draft, there's like 10 or 12 bona fide actual first round guys. And the rest, you know, there's probably 50 guys that will fill between middle of the first round and end of the second. So that pick could prove out to be incredibly valuable, as you say. The other thing about Claypool... I went back and looked at the Draft Network's profile on a review of the Steelers draft in 2020. And they said, you can't criticize the Steelers for drafting a wide receiver. But they said, this is one of the picks that we just feel like will be a mulligan. And I remember when Claypool came out, everyone talked about him. Is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? The more I saw of him, the more I thought he was a tight end that you flex out more of like a Kyle Pitts style thing. And when I, the more tape I watched after I got hyped about him after they drafted him, like we all do with Steeler fans, I sat there and I was like, he doesn't run routes. He doesn't get off people with moves. He just runs deep and hopes to get someone open. And that works in college because the quarterbacks don't throw you open. The, co- the college quarterbacks, they, they see you open in a the space. They throw it to you, expect you to make mm-hmm. a play. Someone like Claypool with that speed at that size, there's guys that, you know, in, in your early late teens, early 20s, you just, that if you're a bit slower, you don't have the skills to stop them at that line. Like what we've been talking about with William Jackson, he's going to blaze past you. And so like you sit there and you're like, yeah. And look, the Steelers are entitled to make a mistake on wide receiver once in a while. Like, that's <laughs> completely fine. Uh, the fact they got that draft pick back. I mean, Claypool was picked 50, you know, three, like basically let's call it two and a half seasons, two and a half seasons, three years ago by the time we go into next year. You've just got back a pick that should be somewhere in the 35 to 50 range. To me, that's a steal. Like, you <laughs> can't right. argue with that. That's good business, right? Yeah. That's good business. And then you look at William the J- William Jackson the third, and they've had a problem. I mean, I said all offseason they needed a number one corner. Now, mm-hmm. if, if you look at that, and you and I talked about it on at least two or three shows we did in the offseason. Now, a lot of people sit there and go, well, William Jackson, the third injury history, getting the 30 number one corner. Like maybe he's like a one B or he's a really good two A. But 
you think about the depth in that room now, even if I credit your guy and James Pierre, like you've got, you've got like Jackson, Wallace, Sutton when he's healthy, right? You've got Witherspoon, whatever he's going to be. I, I think they're going to have to, I reckon he'll get cut. I looked at his cap that I talked about on War Room during the week. He's a $1.4 million hit next year with a $4 million cap saving. In my mind, he's out. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine they keep him for that. Um, but then you go to Pierre. I still think guy like Chris Steele, I think I think he's still sitting on the practice squad, but I really like I really liked him coming out. There's a number of good corners. Don't they forget Jackson. Pick. Yeah, I said William Jackson first. Oh, I, no, no. Um, what uh, What's the guy who's Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got him as well. Um, there's a number of top corners coming out. If you've got a top 10 pick, I think we're too early to get into that sort of stuff, but and you and I are going to talk about the schedule you know, in a few moments. But if you've got a top 10 pick, there's two really good cornerbacks that are going to be around that part in the draft. So in my mind, this is really good. And as you say, the financial imposition of his three-year $41 million deal is not on the Steelers, you know, moving mm-hmm. forward. He is. Mm-hmm. They, they can play with that. So I think that's really exciting, particularly when I think Terrell Edmonds has proved that he's worth re-signing. So suddenly there's a bit more confidence in, in the secondary. And as you say, that is vital when we think about the pass rush, we think about how the Steelers can put pressure on. Um, but we've, we are eight games through the 17-game season. I do want to talk about the record. But before we get there, I thought it'd be great to hear, because we, we haven't been able to do a show together for whatever reason you know, since the season started. I'd love to know what you think you're thinking about the offense in general. And there's a lot of this fire Canada stuff. There is a very clear, like Ben's past it or Ben's not. There's a very clear Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy who needs time to develop. And there's people like Kenny's the worst quarterback ever. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd love to understand like what your feelings are about this offense. And then let them we'll do the same thing about the defense. But yeah, I'd love to have a little chat around on the offense. It's really so frustrating. Um, you know, I don't want to put everything on Matt Canada's system, but you have multiple quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. They have multiple quarterbacks that's tried to run it, and the results speak for themselves. You know, until Roethlisberger would take over a game and start, you know, basically calling his own plays, they just struggle. They're ineffective. They're like the, the worst offense in the league. You said, and everybody keeps talking about it. It looks like there's 10 to 12 plays they keep rotating. Um, and last year it was, well, they don't have the guys that fit his system. And I would, but, you know, I would say, well, Tomlin, quarterback mobility, quarterback mobility. We kept hearing the same stuff. So they got all that now. And it's the same thing. It's the same inept product. Um, but you, you start looking back and you go back two to three years and you see what's happened is that they've let the foundation of the team crumble. Correct. And that is the offensive and defensive lines. Thank you. Yep. And when you watch schools uh, or the Bills or, you know, all these teams that are true contenders, and then you look at the Steelers, it is no comparison. They've they've tried to patch holes. They felt like they had in the roster thinking because they refused to acknowledge a rebuild, and they're like, we're close. So we're going to patch holes here. We're, we're going to get an extra skill position guy over here and a skill position guy over there. But if if you don't have the foundation, your quarterback doesn't have a running game to lean on. He doesn't have pass protection to give you time to utilize the skill position weapons. They've, they've skipped steps in the process. 
and now they've bottomed out. Now it's full rebuild mode. There is no, you know, I, and people was like, well, they might can still compete for the playoffs this year. And I'm like, why? Because the way the NFL set up for parity, if you're mediocre, you're going to stay mediocre because you're always going to pick in the center of the round. Correct. And the problem is, is you usually miss out on those generational talents unless you get lucky. Now the Stewarts have gotten lucky in the past. You know right. they've picked later and got. But what if Big Ben wasn't? What, what if Big Ben wasn't yeah. everything? He, well, he, he recently been successful for eighteen years. Now he's no longer there. Last year it was all Ben and T.J. Watt. You take them two guys off the team, and you got what you have right now. They're not. But, but even if we think about where they were picked at thirteen and what was what like twenty seven or something like that, like to get that to get the talent that you got at those picks is a gamble. Most years, those those picks it's good fortune in the draft. Yeah, yeah, it's good fortune. It was you know you can't rely on good fortune. You got to have good scouting. You you know you have to have. Uh, like I said, if you look at how Philadelphia built that team, their team after they won the Super Bowl, and then they had to rebuild quicker than a lot of people thought they would have to, but they built up those lines, and then everything else. This, I mean, I've. Well, read- I mean, even like the way they invested in. You take an example like my compatriot in Jordan Maialata, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Completely raw talent. I mean, massive dude. Right, even like bar standards here, like just a massive yeah. dude, right? And athletic, right? Because what's it's a different type of athleticism, but the sport that he comes from is you know, he's got to do he's basically like was playing tight end at that size in our sport, right? That's, That's why that, you know, right? It's nuts. <laughs> um, so I mean, I remember we don't play with pads, but like you look at the development that they had with him and they do have good coaching. They developed him, but they didn't expect him to do it all day one. Like we've expected mm-hmm. necessarily from a Dan Moore sort of player. They brought in guys to fill that position while he got coached up that with very senior guys. Now I also think back and you look at the, the holes and I think like plugging Trey Turner in when you lose to Castro. I mean, there's just no comparison, but that's also some unlucky fortune, but uh, I want you, yeah, I want you to continue. Cause yeah, I completely agree with where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, I've heard this today. I'm, I've read multiple times on Twitter. Oh, if the Steelers would have picked Jalen Hurts. If the Steelers would have picked Jalen Hurts. Listen, Jalen Hurts ain't going to do what he's doing behind this offensive line. Not with the skill position players they've had for the last couple of years. You know, we've overvalued the skill position guys. You know, uh, but it ain't all their fault. But like I said, without the offensive line, without that foundation, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, look at Brady. He don't have as good a line as he's had in the past. And he doesn't look anything insane. Uh, Aaron Rodgers loses Adams. The line ain't as good. He looks incredibly average. It, you, it, quarterbacks depend on that offensive line. Correct. I mean, you know, even if they're that... young and mobile, they got to have that line to help them have confidence and, and develop. And, and if you're like the other day, they said, Pickett missed a lot of reads and a lot of throws in that game against the Eagles. He got hit 23 times. Yeah. Or 23 breaks. 17, 17 hits. And some of the hits would have put Ben in the hospital. I Because, you know, an older guy. You know, I was holding my breath every time Pickett got up. What I'm saying is you, you get bad habits when you, you know, you miss reads. When you're worried about getting clobbered every time you drop back. Now, 
He's played four games against four of the top defenses in the NFL. Let's kind of take a step back and see how the second half is. Yeah, and and that's it. Like, and I think Kenny is someone that um, I think you know a lot of the top quarterbacks are anyway. Mentally, I would call them mentally robust. But I think for him, if you look at his journey, and I the the thing that I always say to people, and that a lot of people don't know because I heard I've only ever heard it verbally on a podcast, is that Kenny Pickett. In uh, so he obviously came out last year after the 2021 season, but after the 2020 season, he got invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl, right? And they said mm. to him, they brought him out and they said, and he said to Jim, um, yeah, Jim Nagy, Jim Nagy, I think it is John Nagy, mm. whatever is whatever the guy that runs the Senior Bowl is, have mentioned blank. They he said to him, honestly, if I was to go into the draft and into this year, where do you gonna be drafted? And he said, somewhere between the third and the fifth round. And Kenny was like, okay. He said, what do I need to work on? I had a chat about it. He's like, cool, I'm going back a year. I'm not, thanks for the invite, not coming, right? Then he gets taken in the first round by the Steelers. He would have got taken at the back end. Someone would have traded up for him, even if the Steelers didn't pick him, or he would have gone early in the second. That's a much better improvement. But he sat there for a year in college and got it right and look at the season he had where he had Mm -hmm. like 42 TDs and seven interceptions. But going back to the line, you know, on the offensive side, I completely agree with you. I mean, how many drafts have we all sat there and said, we need to invest in this player. We need to invest in this player. Like, mm-hmm. you know, even the Najee thing, right? Invest in the line before we invest in the invest in the running back. Yep. Now, I wasn't for the Najee pick. I was like, trade back a couple of spots, get Javante Williams. Fine. It doesn't mean that I'm any better than the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although he's <laughs> killed me this year in fantasy with that injury. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm way over-invested there. Um <laughs> That was, that was some inept investing. But you look at what the, like people are setting up. And the problem the, the problem as well with this, and it's outside the Matt Canada's you know, offense, which I actually think is a myth. I don't think it really exists. It's like the white <laughs> stag in the forest, right? Like, I don't believe in that. Um, but you've got – you had Claypool – who doesn't get any release and stutters around for a while until the, the, the defense sort of sits there and goes, I'm going to go chase someone else that looks like they're running downfield or, <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. You've got up until last year, you didn't have Pat Freemuth. So tight end wasn't really like a challenge. You didn't have a running back that caught a lot of balls like you have with Lav Bell. Deontay has to do all this stuff to get past a guy because he's smaller and that's not wrong, but that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a guy like Pickens that could stretch the field. And everyone's talked about that, but in, you know, and, and particularly KT Smith about not having that explosive vertical threat. But when you don't have an offensive line that doesn't allow, whether it's Ben or Pickett more than two and a half seconds to pass the ball, you've got problems because you don't have anyone out there yeah. that's getting open within that two and a half seconds. And that's why we watched a stagnant offense. And so, when you really need some yards or you feel like you need some get-go, you then try and run the ball with an O-line that's even worse at run blocking than they are <laughs> at pass blocking. Yeah. Like, And so it's just this perpetual problem. And so, yeah, I, I, I completely back you up on this. And I think what, what I also said to Mark like last week, and I think we talked a lot about it off air in the previous few weeks, or it might've been the other way around, but like, they got to simplify it. Like people talk about firing Matt Canada right now and not having multiple, all that, you know, people say fire Matt Canada now, or, you know, we don't want Kenny to have multiple offensive coordinators in such a short space of time. I'm like, if you know, something's not working, I'm a bit like, get rid of it. Mm. But I just think it's too complicated. Right. And, and that's a worry for me because if it was too complicated with when 
And, and yes, you can say some of that's to do with not having the players. But if Ben was drawing up plays in the dirt and could figure it out, that and, and that was mm-hmm. fine, but it wasn't working with whatever Canada was scheming up. And then you're expecting a rookie in Kenny mm. Pickett to go in against what you know in strength of schedule is going to be top teams. And you just talked about the top four defenses. You're setting that, you're setting him up for failure before mm-hmm. we even talk about the offensive line allowing him to get hit. It's it, it's too hard. I mean, how many of us would would get would be paid seven million bucks <laughs> or whatever it is to get hit by those guys on that defense 23 times in a game? You wouldn't do it. There's not one person listening to the show that would do it. Not one person. It's like, yeah. And so I just sit there. I'm like, of course they're going to go backwards. We're lucky it's not worse. I I don't even want to think uh, what it would look like if it was worse. You Last night, the Houston Texans played the Eagles. Now, the week prior, uh, the Texans got beat and give up 40 yards passing to the Titans. Total 40 yards because Derrick Henry run them over and Willis got the win, but it was, they couldn't stop the running game at all. So I'm thinking, you know, they're going to play the Eagles. You know, I went in, took the 14 point spread and, you know, it shows that Levy Smith had them guys. They had gotten embarrassed. They're on Thursday night football. They come out, they fought hard. Uh, Pierce, what a what a little running back he is, and what a game he had. I talked about him all yeah. the draft process. But did you see their offensive all. line? I mean, the Eagles' defense line dominated the Steelers. Mm. One time, he caught James Daniels, the first hit on Pickett, the first pass to play the game. He That defensive lineman, I can't remember who it was, got underneath Daniels' pads, and just rode him, carried him all the way back, threw him in Pickett's lap. And Pickett could have got hurt bad because he got hit from the backside too. Mm. That offensive line, there's a lot more money invested in the Texans' offensive line. The Steelers have the cheapest offensive line in football. Here's the Texans who are table with even worse record, who's supposed to be in line for the number one pick. You compare them two teams, they're not very different. I mean, yeah. they don't have a TJ Watt. But their secondary is young, and they've got talent. Their offensive line has got, you know, a lot of talent on that offensive line. A good mix of young guys and some veterans. Yep. They got money invested in it. You know, David Mills looks like, you know, I'm, I'm they, a fan of Davis Mills. Yeah, I mean, could they trade that pick to pick up additionals while they're trying to rebuild and use him? Um, they didn't have all the receivers last night. What I'm saying is, they were competitive against the Eagles. There was no point in that football game that the Steelers were competitive. That whole fourth quarter was a Halloween party on the sidelines for that Eagles franchise. Uh, Kelsey had the Batman mask on, and they're yucking it up on the sidelines. That's the low point of the season for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been pulled up for liking Kendrick Green, but, you know, we're talking about a third-round pick. So, I mean, and, and he's not done yet. Um, no, no, but, I, I supported Kendrick Green. I agreed with what the Steelers said they saw in him. So, I, that's what I, 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 I see I saw the athleticism, yeah. which is something that's a staple for the Steelers center. 100%. Uh, and the nasty, he had the nasty. Now, I didn't know that he had a, a bad learning curve. 
I didn't know that he had a bad attitude, didn't want to play center. He wanted to play guard. There's some things that it's impossible to know until you draft the guy. So everybody can say, well, I was right. I was right. You know, but I mean, we had, we trusted the, that the Steelers did their due diligence. And that's what we, so, because I did like his potential. But so did I. that's why know, I said I Everybody knows I was a Creed, I was <laughs> a Creed Humphrey guy. Yeah. You know, that's the guy I wanted him to pick instead of Najee Harris and then instead of Pat Fryermuth. And now looking back, it looks like a bad decision, but we can do hindsight all day oh, long. 100%. 100% yeah. we can. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, you can go back in the whole Tomlin and Lamar Jackson thing, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, I always say that. I like saying that because everyone gets upset and says, you know, <laughs> the MA says Lamar Jackson, you know, was not worth it. Da, 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 and then you get people that like think he is. Um, how about on the defensive side? And then and then we'll take, we'll, we'll cut to our little break and then we'll, um, we'll start going through the record for the rest of the season. But what about on the defense? I mean, we talked a little bit about it there, I think, with William, William Jackson, the third, but we didn't really talk about the line and the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, how are you feeling eight games in? From what you've seen so far, you know, again, it's hard to judge a defense uh, that is so. The Steelers are have always been star driven, yeah, instead of scheme driven under Mike Tomlin. Uh, and you know, they've had stars. They've had Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, you know, Antonio Brown, uh, Heath Miller, you know. Pouncey, all them guys. And then on defense, the same thing. They've always had these top players. So you lose the best defensive player in the NFL the first, <laughs> at the end of the first game. Yeah. That defense looked dominant. And then it hasn't even resembled what any of us was expecting. All of a sudden, Cam Hayward looks old. He doesn't look as explosive. Uh, he's having more trouble you know, throwing guys around because he's seeing a little more double teams and that's wearing him out trying to, you know, if he's fresher and he's not facing as many double teams, he could be more dominant. Now he's holding up, but it's also taking more out of him. So, you know, what I must admit, you see him finish a game and they have him a lot in the press conference as the defensive captain. He's exhausted. He, that's yeah. he is like he's struggling to talk. It's like, he's running like a marathon. Like it's just, he's getting beat down. Just yeah, beat down. And I'm watching his body language change, and he's always like, you know, it's not good enough, and it starts with me. And I sit there half the time, like, mate, it's got well, very little to do with you, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not Hayward. But what I'm saying yeah. is, is now you see Highsmith, who had three sacks against the Bengals. Every time, if you watch, uh, when you watch the tape back, he's getting chipped by a running back coming out of that backfield. So even if he gets a little leverage, you start trying to, bam, he just gets chipped. I've got in an article that's getting ready to post. I think he probably has nightmares about getting chipped by a running back because it happens constantly throughout the game. That the rest of the talent isn't up to a level. Um, Ogunjobi has done really good. I've been pleased with Ogunjobi. Same. Um, but he, but you know my fear. He, he's dealing with a little injuries. You yeah. know, that's that's effective. But when he's been able to be in there, he's been very disruptive. But and honestly, when what ain't there, who's been disruptive? But that's a good thing, I think, for the Steelers. I said this to Mark once we acquired Ogan Joby on this show around 
I was very disappointed that the Steelers didn't do a two-year deal with Joby that was team-friendly in the second year. So pay him a little bit more this year. Because if he performed, we're going to have to pay him more again and he's getting older and that's a problem. So not that I ever want someone to be injured, but I've kind of been like, I've liked what I've seen, but some of that injury, even in season, hopefully that means that his number's more manageable because like Mark Malone said in the live chat, and I'm a big DeMarvin Leal fan, I would love to go into next year again with Joby, and Leal's not under pressure to be that immediate, you know, a guy, you know, in those roles. And I know you think a little bit differently, like I do, that Leal can rush from a little bit further out than where they've played him a lot so far. But I, I think Joby is very important in a DeMarvin Leal development as well. Well, I don't know if you've paid attention. Since Loudermilk has been activated, he was dealing with some injuries we didn't realize. Since he has gotten in there, he's been very solid against the run, and he had a, he had a couple of good plays against the Eagles. Yep. And he's also collapsing the pocket a little bit. He'll never be a dominant pass rusher. But he's starting to get a little bit more of a bull rush, which if you have the guy like Watt on the outside and Highsmith and, you know, they're going to generate the pressure. You just got to force them out of there. Don't let them step up. And I think he could do that. But I would hope so. It's six foot seven and plus 300. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But they're getting older. You know, Hayward is not, he's on the backside. And then Lulu is, you know, after the. This has got to be it, right? Yeah. And the 35, he's, he's done. He's trained, but you just see there's a difference. Yeah. And I've said before, I think Hayward's going to have to move inside like Alulu did to lengthen his effectiveness if he plans on being around long enough in this rebuild for the Steelers to contend again. That's why I said if somebody, if he wanted to be traded to a contender, then I think the Steelers should honor that because you don't want to see him retire without getting a title. And I'm afraid that he, you know, the way his career trajectory is going, he's not going to get it in Pittsburgh. Would you, I'll ask you a bit of a different question. Would you, as he, I don't think we've got a choice right now with what being injured. I think you need that threat, you know, to take Mm -hmm. that double team. But if he didn't want to be traded and he did the, what Ben said about whether Ben actually had interest from other teams, I don't know. But Ben said he didn't see himself in another team's jersey, even though he didn't want to retire, but the Steelers didn't want him back. Mm-hmm. Um, would you move Haywood in even further? Would you consider moving him into like that yeah, nose tackle position? Because I wonder whether I that's a way to give him another year. Yeah, that's what I said. He's going to have to yeah. move inside like a Lulu yeah. did. Yeah. See, Lulu was an in. And then he moved in a nose tackle, and mm. he was very effective for two years. That's what I mean. That's why. Yeah, and he lengthened yeah. his career. I said that's what Hayward's going to have to do. Oh, Hayward's, right, right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Hayward's <laughs> yeah. plenty strong. You know, it, but that would help him if he is a, loses a little quickness. You mm. know, because you know where he can get in there and finish sacks and penetrate. Right, yeah. But I'm like you. I love Ogan Joby. I love the way he can. He's so quick and powerful. And he he's disruptor. He, you know, he he has quick penetration, tackles in the backfield. Um, but the Steelers need more. So, again, they're going to have to focus on that offensive line. They're going to have to focus on the defensive line. And then, of course, we know they need a cornerback one, uh, whether it's free agency or a draft. And we have to trust them that they can pick one. <laughs> but, and then, like I said, I think they need an upgrade in the interior linebacker, but, We'll leave it at that. 
Well, and, and, and I think that's a good point, and then we'll, we'll chuck to a break. I think the other thing about cornerbacks is if you look over the last few years in drafts, I mean, I've listened to this a lot in different people that work in this draft side and move the sticks and all that sort of stuff, and Daniel Jeremiah. You've got a lot of guys that would have usually come out and tried to play at wide receiver that are playing cornerback, right? When they're coming up through high school football mm-hmm. and going into college and what have you and getting converted. And you look at the last couple of years and, and even going back to Claypool's year, like, you know, I, I, when they when I looked at the review of that Claypool pick, they missed out on Trayvon Diggs, Christian Fulton. Um, there was there was another pretty decent cornerback that they, that they didn't pick that went in the next 12 picks. I mean, look, imagine if they'd had Trayvon Diggs and not had Claypool, like and just from a production perspective. Mm. But I think picking a cornerback is a little bit easier. But then you think about... But one more quick point. Could the Steelers have developed him? Correct. Could they have used him correctly? Correct. See, that's my big concern, is even if yeah. they do hit a guy who could be a true number one, do they have the, the coaching and the teaching to develop that? And then will they use them correctly? Because, again, pattern man is nobody's going to be able to do that effectively. That's basically just a passive zone. But that's why I can't, and I struggle to when they see that sort of stuff because I look at Tomlin and his background and I look at Austin and now you've got Brian Flores in the mix and it's like, but this is the other thing too. Like, do you think, I mean, look, I think Brian Flores should be going for another head coaching job and I think that's what Mike Tomlin firmly believes. He says it all the way. Like, but if this defense can't beat some of the, their AFC North rivals. I do see a world where in the season they say, you know what, this isn't working with Austin. I, I do see that. Now, I know that puts the Steelers at risk down the track um, if Flores does get offered a job, but I do I do see a world where that happens. And everyone said, we know you just got made defensive coordinator, blah, blah, blah. But I do, I do see a world where that happens. Um, but going back to it, you know, we talk about getting someone on that defensive line. Again, that's where that second round pick that we've now got from Claypool could be very, very helpful for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, but with that, we're going to take a break here and give a word from our sponsors. And on my back, Shannon and I will go through and predict the rest of the Steelers' record this season. And we're back after that break from our sponsors. So, Shannon, usually in the bye week with Mark, I love that Steelers mug that you just sipped out of, um, we usually go through the record and sort of look at where they were to date um, and where they might finish and also how close were we. Well, I can tell you that it was very different from even where Mark and I had the Steelers. So um, certainly there's no point comparing to what we originally had because (laughs) we're we're, we're, we're way off. Um, But I guess... There's, we'll go game by game, and I'd love to get what your thoughts are on this as well, um, obviously. So they come out of the bye. They're going to obviously play. We're going to play this week. Then we go again. We have the New Orleans Saints at home. How do you think that game is going to turn out for the Steelers? That's going to tell us so much because yeah. they Matt Canada in an interview was like, well, there's different coaches that work on – focus on different – parts of the offense and, and help with different call game uh, plays. And, you know, he was stammering around and I'm like, well, does that mean they took some of this play calling away from him or, or who is doing it? We don't know, 
But all I know is that for two years, this offense looks incredibly predictable and similar. Very limited. Now, they have the bye week. They they had time to reevaluate. If there's nothing changes, that's the thing that drives all of us crazy. You know, different. there's a lot of talk about, I'll make the necessary changes, blah, 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 blah. It's coach speak because it comes out and it's exactly the same. Um, oh, and that can, I would just say as someone that teaches people to speak in the media for a living, his, his, his handling of questions and his body language is awful. Like, it's terrible. That'd be, it's enough, terrible. that'd be enough to dislike him and doubt him alone. Yeah, alone it, it's, it's really bad. Yeah. But my concern is if you watched what New Orleans Saints defense did to the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Raiders got talent on offense, and they shut them out 24 to zip. They give Deontay, uh, I mean, um, Adams, they give him one catch and basically just shut, and they shut that offense down. They look really, really bad. Um, they have a solid defense. Now, they have some questions. You know, Andy Dalton is a quarterback and Winston. So, you know, uh, with with Watt back and uh, Kazee in there, can run some more than three safety sets, good Lord willing. Uh, have Jackson in there. Maybe they'll play a little bit more aggressive, uh, you know, because of having a pass yep. rush with the back. I can see the defense in the second half of the season improving drastically. Yeah. But the offense, I worry about that first game coming out with all the expectations against a really solid Saints defense. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those ones where if they come at – there's no, there's very little opportunity after that to do a reset, right? Mm-hmm. Again, like we'll do like a mini reset. Like you can't push the, you know, you can't restart yeah. the computer because it's it's stalling, yeah. right? Like it's there's no there's no opportunity for that because there's no buy, um, and they ain't gonna get a buy and make the playoffs. <laughs> so, all right. So, do you think are you gonna call that a winner or a loss? Based on the fact that we know that the Steelers are going to try and want to win every game, regardless if it keeps them in the middle of the draft or not. That's just who, you know, and, I, and I'm and i glad. I don't want to ever see them lose that. Um, I honestly have no idea uh, how this team, it, because I haven't seen any progression or improvement. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to look like when they come out of this back. Um, but I'm going to say that because of Watt's return, uh, and Kazee being in there and the excitement and the home field advantage, I think the Steelers will eke out a win in that one. Yeah, right. Nice one. Um, I think at home, yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll have it, considering where they were, how close they were with the Jets. But I, I think it's going to be a tough one. All right. Then they go well, – no, sorry. Then they are at home again to the Bengals. What are, you, what are you thinking about that? Like, I, I've spent a couple of weeks. I usually try and stay a bit tuned to what the Bengals are doing, but I'm not. I'm not seeing a deep amount lately. But um, how do you feel about that Bengals game? Well, the the Bengals have given the Steelers fits, um, because one they've dominated the line of scrimmage, uh, and the Steelers didn't have anybody to cover Chase. Well, now mm. Chase is out, mm. um, and I think they match up a lot better with Boyd and then they can maybe try to double Higgins. Yeah. So, and you know what? I was just say like, I don't think the, 
I can't if we had I just I would love Higgins on the Steelers. I don't think the Bengals use Higgins. And I trust me, as someone that's got him on his fantasy team, and again, overinvested yeah. on Higgins, I just sit there and like, you do not use him nearly as much as you should. Like it's I do think he's battling an, an injury though. Like he spent a little bit of time out. I think that's might be plaguing him, but like mm. yeah, I, I just can't understand the limited use of Higgins. It drives me insane. But I think the pass rush. Uh, again, I'm counting on the pass rush being, you know, with what back being more like game one and not like the rest of the season. Mm. And the Bengals are really struggling, you know, to protect Burrow right at the moment. So uh, I just don't see the Steelers scoring very much uh, because the Bengals until last game hadn't give up any touchdowns in the second half to mm. anybody. So their defense is is really good. Um, their offense is the reason they've lost, uh, not their defense. Uh, so, you know, it's, it can be a bounce either way. That was that was almost a toss up for me. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go loss. I just think that it's. Um, I think they had too much firepower the last time around, and they weren't even playing well. So, it de- I mean, it depends what we see on the defensive side. I'm gonna just call it a loss. Um, all right, there. So, if push though, do you take it as a loss or a win? If I had to push because of my lack of faith in the Steelers' offense, I'd say loss. I, mean, I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, how about the Colts? Colts away, Lucas Hall Stadium. I think that is a game that the Steelers desperately need to win. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, just, just from the fact that I'm not sold on Sam Ellinger. Um, I, I I'm, like, a, I'm a lot Texas Longhorns fan. I know. I I'm know. shocked that that guy's. I'm shocked that he's getting starts in the NFL. Like he's a like, bit like a running back that can kind of throw the ball, but a slow running. Like I, I, I don't know how you're trotting that guy out in the NFL. And it, and I understand now how they brought in Carson Wentz. Like I, I actually understand it because their idea of what the offense looks like. But you know what? They could be drafting CJ Stroud next year. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible that Jonathan Taylor, if you'd asked me at the end of last season, I would say he was not only in the MVP consideration, but he was arguably the best running back out there. And yeah. their offensive line, you know, with Nelson and the rest, you know, that also, you think that offensive line, uh, and you see what happens. I mean – Taylor looks very well. They're banged now. up, and they're they're like the yeah. Steelers, though. When you're relying on um Danny Danny Pinter, first one start the Dave, but Pinter as yeah. like your guard there, and you're wanting him to do the blocks. Like the Steelers wouldn't even start Pinter. Like uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're in exactly the same boat as we are in that regard. But I don't even think their defense has been playing as well as I thought they would, because Correct, I yeah. I thought they would win that division. And yeah. then, because uh, I ever thought, you know, Matty Ice would be a good fit there. Well, that, that didn't sense. happen. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, again, we didn't know that the they were going to have all the injuries on the offensive line. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a game that the Steelers need to win, and uh, and hopefully they will. Yeah, on the same boat. How about the Falcons? The Falcons that continue to surprise everyone a little bit. Uh, they don't have a lot of defense. I mean, you you watch and. Uh, I watched the, the second half of that Carolina game and I'm like, man, their defense is bad. 
I don't know how yeah. they won. How have they won four games? You know, after they won that one, yeah. Um, that is a game that the Steelers hopefully. You know, I want to see the Steelers use Jalen more and more. Uh, you know, and everybody's like, "Well, if he was starting, he would. It'd be different if he was running the same place as Harris." Harris is trying to bounce everything outside. He don't have the speed to do it. He's trying to jump cut. He's trying to stutter step. He doesn't have the acceleration to do it. He doesn't. He has to be decisive, find a crease, and hit it hard. He's a 240 pound back. You're yeah. 240 pound back for a reason. Like you but see Warren, the hole, you just straight run hard at the hole, done. Yeah. When you have a line that's struggling to open any hole and the worst run blocking line in the league, they would appreciate a guy who comes in, comes in low. He's already 5'8. He, yeah. he runs low, full speed, no fear. The guy drives forward for three or four yards every time. I mean, you know, uh, and that would help that line, and that would help them build some confidence. And so I'm hoping we're going to see more of that. If we do, probably by the time they get to the Falcons, that should start to be improving, mm-hmm. and it sh- they should have time to throw against the Falcons because the Falcons don't have a much of a pass rush at all. Yeah. And I think that Pickett can get it. So I think they beat the Falcons. Yeah, I do too. And I think our defense can well overcome their offense if they get this right mm-hmm. as well. So that's where I think it'll help our offense have a bit of ball for once. All right. Well, then they uh, they take on the Ravens at home. Um, what do you what do you see happening there? So the first game is in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, if if you know again, this is all depending on White being fully healthy and and yeah. the. Jackson struggles against the Steelers' defense. Um, Edmonds does a really good job on Andrews, and we know that is Jackson's security blanket. Yeah. Their receivers do not scare me. And, you know, with the running backs, um, you know, they're still dealing with injuries there. Um, So I think the first game – even though, you know, again, it might not be smart for the Steelers to win, as I said, because of how it's going to affect their um, their draft positioning. But those teams usually split, and I, I feel like that uh, the Steelers have a better opportunity to win at home, so I think they win that one. Yeah, I, I'm going to back you as well because I, I think they're less likely to win against the Ravens later in the season. So I'm going to back that. Um all right, Carolina Panthers. It's easy to say they're going to win that game. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, it seems like a classic two teams that ain't going anywhere. You know, it could be Baker playing at quarterback. And, you know. Surely the uh, Carolina Panthers not that dumb. I don't know. I, I mean, P.J. Walker, I mean, until his recent success where he's won a couple of games, he had like one of the he had like a uh Peterman, uh Nathan Peterman uh yeah. you know type record. And also statistically, you know, he was way more interceptions than touchdowns. And um I can't imagine he'll still be the quarterback. If he is, I definitely predict the Steelers victory. Um because like I said, none of the rest of their team scares anybody no. uh on, on either side of the ball. So uh, I'm actually going to that game. Oh, nice one. Yeah. So, 
uh, I'm expected to see the Steelers win, you know, inspired by having me in my presence there. I love it. Yeah, I call it a win, particularly if they do play Baker in my mind, because I think they know Baker and I think he's got a lot, a lot less infrastructure around him than what he had in, in Cleveland. Oh, definitely. Um, then they've got the Raiders at home. Oh, the Immaculate Reception, 50 year. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. Here's that's... the thing the Raiders always give the Steelers fits. Uh, it just, you know, know, like the Eagles. We knew I, I, when they were going to play the Eagles in Philadelphia, I put loss. You yeah. know, I mean, because they can't win there. They can't score there. I mean, but they actually did this time. But uh, the Raiders have always given the Steelers fit. If the Steelers are going to beat them, it's at home. Yeah. And there's going to be, you know, there's going to be legends everywhere. Yeah. And, and I think you're going to see an inspired effort out of both teams. Because I think the Raiders yeah. will be very inspired. You know, man just passing away. You know, this this is going to be a big game. I mean, uh, maybe not for the, you know, record-wise or playoff position, yeah. but it's going to be an important game for both franchises. So I think it'll be a lot better game than people expect. Uh, but I think the Steelers can win that one. Yeah, me too. Um, particularly, as I said earlier in the season to Mark, I was like, this is the sort of game where if the Raiders, and it was when we were predicting the record during the bye week before the season started, I said, this is one where they could be, it'll either be really good because they're fighting for an AFC playoff spot and ranking, mm-hmm. or one of the teams more likely to be the Raiders are going to be definitely out of it. And so the Steelers are going to get up. So yeah, I'd call that. Um, and that puts the Steelers at that point on a three game winning stretch before they then go to Baltimore away. Yes. <laughs> what and, happens and- then? And that game, a lot of times when the Steelers go to to Baltimore, it's a house of horrors. It's a nightmare scenario. Uh, I'm hoping that Pickett survives. You know, we remember when Bart Scott hit Ben and and halfway killed him. Uh, And and uh, Nadja broke his nose. And I mean, the Steelers quarterbacks take a beating in Baltimore. Uh, and Let's I, think that, in, then. I think that the Ravens is going to be competing for the division at that point. Yeah. So I think the Ravens are going to win that one and it might not be pretty. Yeah. I'm going to have to back that one as well. Um, and I lied before as well, or I got it wrong. It was five wins on the trot. Um, okay, cool. And then they close out the season at home against the Browns. Um, I think the Browns have found something. Uh, now, Will the Watson coming back, will that just screw everything up? But if you watch it, they have the most dominant run blocking line in the NFL. Uh, Even better than the Eagles. And they got the two best running backs uh, tandem in the NFL because I think Chubbs is the best and uh, Hunt is the best backup. And they can bludgeon you. And because you have to commit extra guys just to try to slow that down, there's guys wide open. Uh, pass receivers are just wide open. And so Brissette is doing a really good job of finding them, taking what's there, and they dominated the Bengals. It, that game wasn't even as close as the score because uh, mm-hmm. the Bengals scored a couple times late. Um, I think that if the Browns would just adhere to that game plan, I don't know, but two or three teams 
in the NFL that can stop that rushing attack because Chubbs is that good. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be playing for something because I think they're going to have a really good second part of the season. Um, and I think that they will beat the Steelers in Cleveland. The Steelers at that point, though, will have had six wins in this stretch based on what you and I are predicting. That gives them eight wins. Nine yeah. and eight could be enough. That's the only thing that, like, I've usually just put an L in there, like what you suggested. So right now we're saying eight and nine. We're saying, yeah. So if you yeah. say a loss to the six, Browns, it's eight yeah. and nine. But yeah. If they win that game, they're nine and eight and they're in. And so I think if they're going in eight and eight against the Browns, like the level of performance that I think they're going to need to show. I mean, I think this game comes down to injuries, but I don't know. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like the Steelers at an eight and eight. So you think they might go nine and eight? And you well, think that'll you be good I, enough? You and I predicted six wins after yeah. six wins after the bye until you get to this game. Well, I had them seven and ten on know your enemy. I thought the stores would finish seven and ten. But after yeah, right. as we sat here, me and you, and went through the games. Yeah. Uh, I give them a, a victory, and I ain't sure which one it was now that on Wednesday night I thought they were gonna lose. But uh, I can see seven to ten. I can see eight and nine, but I just believe that they're yeah. going to lose the last two games. Uh, they would be in that discussion, but see, that's the point. I'm because I'm really it's disgusting because they're going to be mediocre, and that means they're <laughs> going to stay mediocre. When the, this year they actually have a chance to get a top ten pick. And it's so and it's so funny because you bring this. Oh, we had this. Show, we had a similar show a couple of weeks back. Not where we predicted it, but we started talking about it. And I said to Mark, and I got absolute crap in my chat. But I said to him, philosophically, I actually understand why people want a high draft pick, and people are like, you know, play young guys and and tank without saying the word tank. You, I said, I can understand. It. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying I can understand it. And so, like. I mean, but anyway, but I mean, and anyway, if anyone presses me on what I really think, it's like I even if that a first a top ten pick, if there's three or four guys I think that are worthy of that, and then after that I trade back and just get more picks because this team just needs so much more talent. Like I'm, that's just what I, that's how I believe. But it's so, in, but it's so interesting of like whether you sit on that precipice of like if they win these games, how does it go? Because we're talking about a five game winning stretch in the middle of the season, but I think it highlights what this theme of this season has been about, where it's like the first half of the season has just been so difficult. And now you go into this second half stretch and we could finish by having a really different conversation. It, it's quite, it's it's just so polarizing. I know the game that I changed from Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, I went with the Saints on Wednesday to win. Yeah. To beat the Steelers. And then I'm like, well, they got Andy Dalton and he don't do good against Steelers. And I flipped there. But the rest of the games I I feel pretty strongly about. But if the Steelers would get, say, a top eight pick even, and there's a quarterback error or a team really wanting somebody, and you could trade and get an extra pick. I seen a, a, a chart a while back. I always say I want the Steelers to have, if they could get six picks in the top 100, because if you look at the teams that have had multiple picks, yep. five or six in the top 100, they are the teams that rebuild and are successful. 
they accumulate those picks and and the more picks you have in the top 100 when you start getting out of there the the percentages go down and you know there's more opportunity it seems like it, you know the, it drops off i don't know why well i did a, i did a show in the off season um that talked about or post the draft that or was going into the the draft it was completely out that talked about teams that had, had multiple pro bowlers in the last 5 years right and what mm-hmm. years they were in the, and they came out of the second and the third round and so the rams were there yep. the ravens were there twice and i think the bills were there i think it was like mm-hmm. that and you look at those teams and it's like no wonder and that's what that's what i'm saying like when you look at the first round and like you know people know i love my draft stuff and i listen to a lot of different people in that draft world and everyone is like there's just this underlying tone when they go to do a mock draft or a top 30, top 50, top 60, and you get 12 players out and the talent there is it, it is very there. hard. To, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's yeah. just like you could have any order with these guys. And yes, yeah. we're not even finished the college season, but at this point, some of these guys have three, four, even two, like two, two and a half years on tape. Like yeah. You kind of know a little bit, you know enough to, to be able to start to rank them. But that, that's the interesting thing about, about that whole draft process. And then you look at a guy like Woolen who's taken the lead by storm in that way on the defensive side for the for the Seahawks. And he was taken, I think he was a third or fourth. He might have been a fourth because he was picked after Austin. Yeah. Yeah. But you know something that blew my mind? I was thinking back um, because it was such a traumatic time. But when AB lost his mind and was forcing his way out of Pittsburgh, you know they had a trade for him. Yeah. And it was the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. That was before they got digs. Yeah. And you could have had AB if he wouldn't, if he'd have just went with it and not, you know, said, no, I ain't signing. And he, you know, he kiboshed that whole trade. He would have been in Buffalo with Josh Allen and the team they that they could have had. And instead, Diggs goes there and Diggs has exploded. He was already good, but he wasn't A.B. good. Mm. And I think that A.B., not only did he force his way out of Pittsburgh where he could have had that with Ben, you know, they had a great rapport. He could have went from, you know, middle-aged Ben at that point to To young Ben. Ben. Because that's who Josh Allen, you know, is like a more athletic Ben. So I just just had to bring that up because I was just like, I love that. what would the Bills have been? They they might already won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's it. Um, but Shannon, we have hit the hour mark. So I would like to just thank you for your time on this Friday evening for you and joining me with Mark out this week um, with other with other things you need to do. But thank you for all the live chat. We hope on the audio side when you're listening to this as well that you enjoy the show. A bit different from us, but it's always good when I can talk with my uh, my brother from the Northern Hemisphere. Um, in 10,000 years or so, it'll be down under because the magnetic poles are shifting. <laughs> Uh, that, that we unfortunately won't be here for that. But with that, as always, go Steelers. <laughs>